Welcome, it's Michael James Lauren with the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. Our next guest is a leader in Christian prayer. She knows all about it, and she's been writing about it for years. You know her, Stormy Omartian, and she has a great new book. It's called Out of Darkness, My Story of Finding True Light and Liberation. And there's a lot of brokenness in this book, a true tale, but she came out telling her story and leading so many people into the marvelous light and knowing our Lord Jesus Christ so much better. Stormy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Michael, for the opportunity. So good to be with you. It's a delight for us. You've changed a lot of people's lives, and certainly the Lord has used you that way in leading us into prayer. Uh, Let's talk about your book here, because it was a revision from, I believe, 35 years ago. Tell us a little bit about it and some of the emotions that you dealt with in revising uh, this book. The first time I, this 35 years ago, I wrote an autobiography um, called Stormy, you know, and it was just from that, for that period of how I came to know the Lord and everything and how, uh, how my, you know, my background of being raised by a mentally ill mother and being locked in a closet much of my early childhood and all that. And so um, I explained it in this book because this brings it up to present date. So it brings it up another 35 years, <laughs> you know. So there's a lot that happens uh, since then. But I, had, I still had to start with the beginning of, so people would understand where I came from and how I was so broken and, and uh, so messed up, you know, so full of anxiety and fear and depression and all that. And so I started there, but I wove more into those early chapters because I didn't know at that time how important certain things were, you know, until later on. And so I needed to weave other things into that. And so um, I have brought it up to present date because um, I lived in darkness literally in that closet. Um, and so and it wasn't until, even though I was out of the closet physically, I was still in it emotionally uh, growing up as a teenager and a young adult, you know, in my 20s and all. It wasn't until I really became acquainted with the one true light, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, when I met Him, when I met the Lord, my life changed. I began to see light at the end of the long, dark tunnel of my life, and I started going toward that light. I just stayed in the Word. I stayed in church. I learned how to pray. I learned how to worship God. I, I learned about God's ways. I learned what Jesus accomplished uh, on my behalf on the cross and, and for everyone else who receives Him. And so I learned to stay in the light you know, the light of, of God's Word and, and, and His ways and all that. But there's still, darkness still tries to encroach upon our lives, for each one of us. We all have dark times, and, and we have some choices that put us into darkness, and, and sometimes we make bad choices, and and um, sometimes we don't understand God's ways, and so we don't live the way He wants us to, and, you know, things like that, that where darkness really threatens our life again. But learning that when you walk with the Lord, you are never truly in the dark. You are never in the dark. You always have the light of God in you and with you from then on, but it's learning how to stay on that path of light. Yes, and in order to get into that light, it seems like you had to go through a lot of brokenness. We all went through that with you as we read your book, and in hindsight, it seems like I can't really picture you not having to go through some of the things that you went through in order to reach the people that you can reach today. You ever feel that way? 
Yes, absolutely. I, in fact, I, I know this sounds really weird and never thought I'd hear myself saying this earlier in earlier years, but I'm almost grateful for what God allowed me to go through because it has made me so compassionate to people who go, have gone through the same thing, are going through the same thing. Um, I, I, I understand their pain and, and I understand the, the healing power and delivering power of God to set us free from the things that have trapped us in the past and and if i can if i can use any of the this pain that i've been through and and this hell really that i went through uh for good for other people then it, to me it's worth it it's absolutely worth it in one of the chapters um i'm talking about the um stalker i had it was it was one of the most frightening times of my life you know uh, being stalked you feel like you feel so helpless you know, unless God really does a miracle for you, there's no way that you're going to stop a stalker who's determined to get to you or your kids. And um, really learning to trust God in that and seeing Him work a miracle really was life-changing for me. And so I was thinking about that. That was one of the worst things I went through after becoming a believer. It's amazing to see how much God loves us. I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the fact that he protected me in the most scary time of my life as a believer um, with that stalker, and he protected me in that closet. I mean, so there's what seems like dark places to us. Really, his light is there with us, you know, and uh, when we turn to him. Yes. Let's look at your dad for a minute, because he overlooked so many different injustices and sins and just bad feelings that were done by your mom to him. Uh, But what I found interesting and most revealing is that on his wedding night, he found out that she was a schizophrenic. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. But I feel that some of the the Christ-like behaviors of overlooking faults that you glean from in this book. Yes, it really was. He was so... I mean, I don't know who, what other man would have put up with what she did to him, you know, how how she acted. But he didn't know that she was mentally ill until on the wedding night when she thought people were following her and out to get out to get them and were going to murder her. And so she wouldn't stay at the hotel that they planned to stay at. And they went to several hotels, I think it's at least three different hotels, and said, no, there's people following her there. And, and so finally he said, no, we're staying here. Finally they got to a hotel and he says, no, we're staying here. This is it. No one's following us. But that's when, that was his first sign that she was mentally ill, and um, so so he was already married to her, you know, by that by that time, and and uh, she just she just continued to get worse. I mean, every so often she'd have moments of lucidity, you know, where she could behave like a, a normal person, but then she couldn't she couldn't hold that too for too long. She would always slip back into. Her, you know, her just hallucinating, really, about the people out to murder her and kill her and all of that. Mm. And the reason I bring that up, Stormy, it it seemed like that was prevalent throughout the whole book, that you wanted so badly to penetrate the walls of your mother's mental illness and have a normal mother-daughter relationship. I mean, that was very obvious. And throughout some of the uh, atrocities, really, that happened and some of the nightmares and graphic content that were in the book— uh, it seems that God's grace always prevailed, and that's a major theme, that leading us to prayer, even through brokenness, uh, you finding a home in Christian family, uh, God using you for prayer groups and so forth. So God's grace is always prevalent within the dark, broken places here. 
Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad because I, I wanted to tell enough for people to know how bad it was without, you know, making them sick, you know, and then to give them the hope that God really saw us through every single one of these near-death experiences, you know, that I, that we went through, or that I went through mostly, and um, the fact that God, it, it, God worked a miracle in every case, really. It was, it was just astounding. Yes, I don't want to get off the beaten path here, but I thought I'd tell you, I did some pretty unique preparation for this interview. What I did was I listened to the whole Christopher Cross album, his first album. Did you? Really? That's my because I just listened to it the other day, and I hadn't heard it in years. <laughs> Me too, and uh, the reason I bring it up, and people may not know, that your husband, Michael, he actually won three Grammy Awards for producing and arranging uh, that album, Christopher Cross, which is beautiful, because the songs we all remember, they sounded so good on the radio. Yes, exactly. He arranged it all and, and produced it all, and it really is a good album. I just, I was listening to it. Someone sent me something on YouTube, because um, Christopher, we see him periodically. In fact, he was over here at the house just last week, and um, they were showing us something on YouTube where Christopher Cross was uh, performing, you know, with Michael McDonald, and um it was so good. So they they sent it to me, and it was just wonderful. I, after all these years, even so, then I just kind of you know clicked on some of the other of Christopher Cross's songs, and I thought, oh my gosh, these are so good. You forget how good they are. Just beautiful. He's he's a nice guy. Christopher is. It seems stormy that you always had a mentor. God always provided one when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And Pastor Jack Hayford had a huge impact on your life, uh, teaching you the Word of God and, and how to pray. And do you think you could have been a light to so many people and an inspiration without his help and without God providing a mentor? I don't think so. I, I, I just can't even imagine it. Um, I had him as my pastor, and then I had the pastor's wife who helped me with all the deliverance from all the depression and anxiety and fear and all of that, uh, all of that pain. Uh, she's the one that prayed me through it and helped me step by step. She was a pastor's wife there at the church. Um, was one of the assistant pastors, and that was his wife, and she was a mentor for years. I, I can't imagine how how I could have... I don't know. I just can't even imagine how I could have received all that healing and deliverance and wholeness without those two helping me, praying for me. You know, um, it, with with uh, with uh, Pastor Jack, it was it was the teaching, the, the teach the Bible teaching, so solid, and learning how to worship, learning how to pray. I mean, that's what he taught. And then with uh, Marianne, the pastor's wife, uh, her her powerful prayers for healing and deliverance and freedom and and wholeness and uh oh my gosh she was so in tune with the lord that she she just she she knew things you know she just knew things she she knew that i in that one section where i you know i she had me forgive my mother i had to learn to forgive her day by day you know but then when she said i she said i really feel you have unforgiveness towards your dad too as well and, and I feel like the Lord showed me that, and that you really need to confess that. And she was absolutely right, because I didn't think it was right. I thought, no, I don't have any unforgiveness for my dad. He's not the abuser, you know. And But I, when I, she said, well, just ask the Lord. She always did that. She said, well, just ask the Lord and see what he says. And so I did. I said, Lord, I know there's nothing to this at all, but I'm just going to ask you, is there any unforgiveness in me toward my dad? And the minute I asked that, I mean, I was so convinced with sobs 
uh, that I was on the freeway in L.A. and I had to pull over to the side of the road because I couldn't even see. I was so so many hot tears, you know, streaming down my uh, out of my eyes, so I couldn't see. And I pulled over, and I realized that I had unforgiveness for him. Uh, toward him for never opening that closet door for me, never rescuing me from her insanity. And um, it was a real point of healing when I realized that and just forgave him for all of that. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of your book, too, as far as having forgiveness and giving all that pain and hurt to the Lord. And we shouldn't be taken in by that angelic face of yours either. You're tough. You're a prayer warrior, aren't you? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. I have resisted the enemy's you know, um, attack against my children, against my marriage, against my health, you know, against every, you know, just trying to destroy. He wants to destroy us. Those who, were, you know, love the Lord and live for the Lord, He wants to destroy us. And we have to realize that our God is greater than any plan of His, and um, that our prayers are powerful. And a lot of times we don't think they are, you know, because we think, well, we're not perfect, and but God... God sees our heart, and He hears our prayers, and He answers in His way and His time. Sometimes we think we, if He hasn't answered the way we want, then He's not answering, but that's not true, you know. So uh, it's, it's, it's always a, um, a learning process to learn more about who God is and, and how much He loves us. Yes, and you've taken us on that journey for your book, once again, Out of Darkness, My Story of Finding True Light and Liberation. So what I find amazing, really, Stormy, is that there's so many people who pray, and certainly people who can write about praying, but there's only really one who stands out. And I know you give God the glory, but you are that person. How does that happen? How does it translate on the written page, and how does it feel to be used as an instrument of God when you write about prayer? Well, I think the fact that God um, did that miraculous uh, delivery for me when when I um, when the counselor at the church of pastor's wife had me fast and pray for three days and come back into her office and then um, we did several things. You know, I had to renounce all my occult involvement. I had to um, confess my unforgiveness toward my mother. I had to confess, you know, sins in my life and all that stuff. And um, when I did all that and after I fasted and prayed and she fasted and prayed with me, that's when I felt that depression and anxiety and fear lift, and it was a physical manifestation. I, I couldn't help but feel it. I could feel that I, all that heavy burden that I've been carrying lifted off my shoulders. I could feel it, and it was ne- I was never the same again. And he let me see that, uh, and I, you can't you can't go back from there. You can't go back and think, oh, I wonder if prayer works. I mean, I, it worked. It worked. I saw it. It was never the same again. I never had that kind of depression again. I never had that, you know, that kind of anxiety and fear. I was never hopeless. I mean, it was, it was a miraculous work of God. And and so this is something I could not ever deny in my life that that happened. And so I kept thinking, what if, if God did that for me? What does He? What more does He want to do in my life? And what does He want to do in the lives of other people? And so that's why we started all these prayer groups. We were home group leaders at the church, but um, I always handled the prayer part. The prayer meetings were so big that we had to divide them up. You know, we divided them up into prayer for our children, and then another one in prayer for our marriages, and prayer for uh, people in ministry. You know, uh, I had a prayer group of just women that met every every week, and and it, it was it was so powerful to see God answer these the prayers. I mean, one after another after another after another. And I'm telling you, a big part of seeing your prayers answered is obedience, living God's way. And a lot of people leave that out. 
You know, it's really an important thing because um, in Psalm 66 it says, uh, uh, um, if you regard iniquity in your heart, I will not listen. This is God saying that. Meaning not that he can't listen or can't hear, it's that he won't listen if you keep iniquity in your heart. And one of the biggest ones, iniquities, is unforgiveness, you know, or anything, any kind of sin. He doesn't tolerate it. And if we want our prayers answered, we really have to get right with God and live his way. And that's a big issue for people. Mm, That's such a good point. Stormy, in your book, you finally found love, and as far as you marrying Michael, but there was a bit of a love story and a little bit of intensity there, because you were with someone else about to be married at the time, and your heart was with Michael. Michael thought he was supposed to marry you. (laughs) And as I'm reading, I'm thinking, both of you are meant to be with each other. Just marry Michael. Yes, I know. I know. I know. You see, I was so insecure that... I, I just, I had to go with what I thought was a sure thing, and I just didn't know he was. You know what I mean? I think if I'd known the Lord, see, I didn't know the Lord then. And I, if I'd known the Lord, I would, I would have had some guidance. You know, I'd had some spiritual guidance and everything. And But I couldn't call off this sham of a marriage that I was I was embarking on. Um, I couldn't call it off. I, mean, we, uh, I only met Michael as we were working in a Christian, on a Christian record um album, and I was the only one that was not a Christian on the album, and um, a friend of mine who is a contractor, she's the one who eventually led me to the Lord, you know, she just felt, she just felt that Michael and I were supposed to be together, so she introduced us, and she, you know, she kept saying this marriage, you don't get married to this other guy, it's not right, it's not right, nothing's right about it, no, no one has peace about it, and, and, um, but I, I was such a mess, I really felt so close to death, I honestly did, I just felt I couldn't. I couldn't live alone anymore, you know, and so it was. It all added up in making a terrible decision because I, I thought death was the only option other than that. You know what I mean? So, I know, I know it sounds crazy, but when you're, when you don't have the Lord and you're so broken and so hurt and so, such a mess um, that you'll do things out of desperation that a normal person who doesn't have all that hurt wouldn't do. Well, one thing people may not know about you is that you were in entertainment in your young 20s. I mean, you were a backup singer for Neil Diamond on the Glenn Campbell Show. You worked with the Imperials. And uh, it's quite remarkable that even though you had these issues of depression, you were always working. Your gifts always found a home. And so tell us a little bit about that. I must have had something. I I didn't see it myself, that's for sure. I was had such doubts about my abilities and all that. But I was such a, a desperate person because I, I had nothing to fall back on. I didn't have... Uh, I knew what it was like to grow up hungry and... Um, and I, the thought of not having a place to live and not having food always spurred me on. I didn't have anybody helping me with anything, you know, except for my dad helping me buy that car, except that I paid for it. But uh, I, he, they were very poor, and they couldn't help me at all, and my mother wouldn't have ever helped me anyway. And so I, it was up to me to do everything. So I made sure I was working all the time, you know. I, even when I, I have, I'd have two or three jobs at once. You know, I, if I had two weeks off, I made sure I got a job for two weeks. I, I never have not worked in my life, you know, once I was old enough to work at all. And so uh, it was out of, out of desperation and fear that I did it. And I I don't know why I even got these jobs. The other, the other people were so much better than I was, you know, I, I thought. I think I just was the right size and at the right place at the right time or something. It was really God 
uh, helping me, even though I didn't know Jesus at that time, I would pray that God would help me, you know, on the auditions and all that, you know. But I just, I tell you, I was so full of anxiety and fear that I, it was really hard for me to keep up the front at the end. You went through a lot, that's for sure. But your clarity in the way that you write and the simplicity and the beauty of bringing people closer and getting to know the Lord Jesus Christ is very, very clear. Yeah, I asked God to help me to write in such a way that it was clear for people and, and not burdensome to read. I just can't, the worst thing would be to be boring. I just I just think, oh, that don't let me ever be boring. God, you are not boring. And your life is not boring. Don't let me ever be boring. But um, just knowing that I, I want what I wanted so much was to be close to God. I saw what he, who He is, what He's like, how much He loves us, how much He cares. But He requires, you know, He requires that. He requires our love, our obedience, our repentance when we're not. Uh, all of this, and I learned to one by one separate, my, separate myself from the things that separated me from God. And that is such an important issue, that we can't have one foot in one camp and one foot in another. You know, one kingdom, we have one foot in the kingdom of God and another foot in the kingdom of the world. And I'm not saying everything in the world is evil. I'm just saying the world mind is not the mind of God. And we, we really have to learn to serve God and to live His way and to want Him more than we want anything else. That was the, that was the thing. Amen. And we know how much your books have touched a lot of people's lives, and the one that you have out now, Out of Darkness, My Story of Finding True Light and Liberation. Stormy Amarty, and thank you so much for sharing your life story with us and your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray a special blessing upon you, and thank you once again for being on the program. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate it.